Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. (laughs) I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Imagine coming to the U.S. from Australia to get ahead, only to find out that the financial system in the U.S. is actually keeping you down. You're facing so many disadvantages, and you don't know how to overcome it. I'm Shauna Compton-Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we're talking from financial disadvantage to being empowered with Warren Hogarth. And ask Shauna. Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Game. It will expand your brain. Whatever you're saving up for, a CD from Sandy Spring Bank lets you grow your savings at a guaranteed rate. Right now, earn interest at 4.5% APY on an 8-month CD special or 4.25% APY on a 14-month CD special. Learn more at sandyspringbank.com slash cdspecials. Minimum opening deposit to earn the annual percentage yield is $500 for the 8-month CD special and $2,500 for the 14-month CD special. Member FDIC. 
So today's Ask Shauna question comes from Joe, and Joe says, First, I just want to thank you for a recent segment you ran on calling credit card companies and asking for annual fee reductions. It inspired me to call Chase, and I was able to get a $60 statement credit on my Sapphire Preferred card, effectively making the annual fee $35. Thanks so much for the excellent money-saving tip. All it required was me politely asking, no table-slamming negotiation or threats necessary. Love that, Joe. Uh, That's not his question, but I'm so happy that he shared that with me because I can then let you know that it actually does work. This is a podcast listener who took this advice, went to Chase, asked for a fee reduction while he didn't get the entire fee waived. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd still rather pay $35 than $95 for my annual fee. So a penny saved is a penny you could put to work somewhere else. That's just my opinion and what I've seen work with so many people who I think are really savvy with their finances. And like he said, he didn't have to do any like crazy over the top uh, negotiation techniques. Like he didn't have to be, you know, this super savvy person with uh, figuring out, you know, the script of what to say. Just He just politely asked. So on to his question. He says, I was wondering if you could do a short segment on the possible uses of zero interest credit card offers and possible risks on this as well. For example, I opened a Chase Freedom Unlimited, which has no interest for 15 months. I was able to put an engagement ring on the card while earning 1.5% in points and $150 sign-up spending bonus. Meanwhile, I've kept the cash I would have paid in the card in a dedicated Synchrony savings account, getting 1.5% interest and in a few Vanguard low-cost ETFs on Robinhood. I think zero-interest promotions can allow people to take advantage of a good sign-up bonus and cash back while also letting their money work for them a little longer and avoiding paying opportunity costs. The risks, I'm guessing, would be not being well-disciplined with the cash and then incurring the 15 to 20% interest charges when the grace period ends. This is a great question, and I think you actually answered the question, Joe, yourself when you asked the question, but uh, I definitely think it's it's worth a, a discussion. You know, I mean, the real risk with any of these 0% or low interest offers on credit cards or loans or whatever it may be really is just that, you know, you're not going to pay it off in that time period. In fact, I really think that, I don't think, I I know from talking to people at different credit card companies, that's what they're betting on. You know, they're betting that the majority of people aren't going to pay off, uh, you know, whatever amount they owe in that specific time period. And then they're going to incur this huge amount of interest. And then they're going to end up paying, you know, like three, four, five, even 10 times the amount that they would have paid if they just bought the item uh, right out. So to me, it's a little bit like the gym membership model, right? So you you get a gym membership and you just keep paying and, and you start to go to the gym a lot in the beginning and then, you know, uh, you get a couple months out and it's like, well, I'll go next Tuesday or I'll go next Thursday. I mean, I've been completely guilty of this in my lifetime. I've probably spent like way too much money on gym memberships and just haven't utilized them. But that's really what gym memberships are there for is like, okay, the majority of the people aren't going to come enough. So they're actually going to be making money off of you. It's a little bit different with credit card companies, but it can kind of help you, you know, frame it, frame it in that, in that tone. However, I, I do agree. I mean, I think these 0% offers 
is really a smart way to leverage your money, like you said in, in the question. And leveraging is just using somebody else's money while yours goes to work somewhere else. It's one of the core financial principles or or foundational elements, if you will. I mean, it's really how I've seen a lot of people who I would consider very wealthy become wealthier. It's, It's not taking advantage of something. It's just being really smart with your money. And, you know, if if you can get a 0% offer and you can put your money to work, like Joe said in the, in the question, in other ways, you're growing your money while you're paying off uh, the item that you purchased. And so you've kind of got the best of both worlds. You know, we used to have this, this stuff called layaway. I don't know if you remember that. I think Walmart is trying to bring back layaway, but it's kind of the same concept where, you know, with layaway, you would actually pick out your items and then you would make a payment over a certain period of time until you paid all those items, then you would get the items. So this is a little bit different. This is almost like the better, more revised version of layaway because you actually get to enjoy the item right away while you're paying it off. And really, you know, only the people with really good credit scores tend to get these offers. Usually, you know, 720, 740 credit score plus, that's really the zone where you're going to be able to leverage these 0% offers. If you have a lower credit score, uh, don't let that, you know, keep you away from attempting to maybe get a 0% offer. But, you know, if you start getting denied for those 0% offers, I would just stop and figure out what is it with your credit score that it is causing you to be denied for, you know, this this particular offer, and then go fix that before you come back and, and try to apply again. But, you know, as long as you build that payment into your budget, so you know, if, if it's, if it's 12 months, you know, what is the amount you owe split up into, you know, 12 equal payments so that you make sure that you actually get that paid off. So you don't incur the interest. It's not even a factor. And, you know, for some reason you can't pay it off in that time, do your best to roll it onto another low interest or a 0% offer. Or if you can't do that, just do whatever you have to do to get that paid off as soon as possible, because the longer that you wait to pay that off, the more interest that you're going to end up paying. And, you know, essentially, it's like you're buying two or three or four or five times that item. And and that just that's when it doesn't start to make sense. But if you can use the credit cards wisely, I really believe you can almost like beat them at their own game. You can get all this good stuff, whether it's cash back or rewards or points or, you know, whatever it is for a particular credit card, or really if it's just leveraging the 0% and putting your money to work in other places. So you can get all the good stuff and throw out all the bad. You don't even have to worry about interest rate. It's not even a factor. And yes, some of these cards are going to have annual fees. And I know nobody likes to pay an annual fee. I don't like to pay annual fees. Sometimes I forget about them, honestly. And I'm like, oh man, I just paid that annual fee again. So I'll call and try and get it lowered. And just like Joe testified in his question, it does happen. It can happen. So if you can get the 0%, if you can leverage your money and pay it off over a period of time, and you can get your annual fee lowered, and you can get points or rewards or cash back or something. I mean, that is like a triple whammy in my book. So thanks so much for sending in this question, Joe. I really appreciate it. I think this is, um, you know, it's it's all stuff I think that sounds really 
intuitive and super easy, but I think it's really cool to just like talk it out a little bit and then also to show that a podcast listener took the advice and it actually did work. So it's it's not just me here, you know, uh, yammering on about all of this stuff to you and you're like, does she even know what she's talking about? I promise. I promise I do. I don't get everything right, but I try to get most of it right. So I'm excited about this episode today. I teased it a little bit in the opener, but I had a very candid conversation with Warren Hogarth from Empower Finance, all about his transition to the US in 2004 and really how he felt like the system Uh, the financial system here in the US, it just attempted to keep him down when it came to his finances. And he's sharing so many of the money lessons that he learned during that time and and on his journey. And I think this is just, you know, it's really interesting for us that grew up. If you grew up in the US, you know, you might not be exposed to this. But some of the things that he struggled with are some of the things that we struggle with, like the credit system is crazy. You know, you have to have credit to get credit and you get good credit to get more credit. And it's just, it's, it's crazy. It doesn't even make sense. You know, it, it really needs to change. And it's, it's cool to have a discussion about someone who came from Australia and it's very different from where he came from. Um, you know, Warren is, is such like a superstar in his own right. He spent eight years as a partner at the number one venture capital firm in the world called Sequoia Capital. Uh, they've invested in so many companies like LinkedIn, WhatsApp, Airbnb. So he has literally stood shoulder to shoulder with the founders to build these large businesses. Three of them went from zero to over $1 billion. So he's really had a crash course, if you will, in how do you work the financial system to your advantage, both in a business and in, you know, personal life. But I think if you take away one thing from this episode, it really should be his best piece of money advice, which comes at the end of the episode. So you're going to want to make sure that you listen all the way to the end. But before we dive in, just a quick word from our podcast episode sponsor. Hey, so you've heard Bitcoin and blockchain be thrown around a lot. It's, It's a real buzz word these days, but you may not know where to start or how to figure out what Bitcoin actually is. The Decrypting Crypto podcast might just be for you. I have started listening and I have actually learned so much about cryptocurrencies that I didn't really know beforehand. And I think before you start rushing into investing with your hard-earned cash, just because Bitcoin is really popular right now, you're going to want to check out this podcast to know what you actually need to know. Host Austin and Matthew, they take these complex concepts behind cryptocurrencies and blockchain, and they really distill them down into a language that anybody can understand. It's perfect for those new to the space that are looking to learn more, or even if you feel like, hey, I know what this Bitcoin thing is, you still need to check out this podcast. Simply search for the Decrypting Crypto Podcast to start listening today and make sure that it's on your podcast rotation. Okay, friend, I want to know. What are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. 
You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash ETM. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash ETM for your extended 30-day free trial. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied, or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash ETM and use promo code ETM at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash ETM and enter code ETM at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash ETM. Go to joindeleteme.com slash ETM and use code ETM for 20% off. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and t-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. Hey, my name's Otis Gray host of The Daily Book Club, a daily podcast where I read wonderful old books one chapter at a time. Simple as that. Whether you want to get engaged and lost in a fascinating story that has stood the test of time, or just relax to a good book, listen to The Daily Book Club to get wrapped up or unwind during your day. We'll read classic stories like Pride and Prejudice, The Enchanted April, The Wind in the Willows, beautiful stories all told from start to finish. And you can even do a real book club, Tune into the Daily Book Club Discord and discuss the readings with other book club listeners. However you want to listen, it's your choice. Subscribe to the Daily Book Club on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else. New episodes every single day. So sit back, relax, and get lost in the Daily Book Club. So Warren, I'd, I'd love to start out talking about your own money story. I know from the research, you came to America from Australia in, in 2004, and you said you really felt that you were at a disadvantage in the American financial system. Tell me a little bit about that and maybe some of those disadvantages you faced. Yeah. I mean, so once I came here as a student, um, I'm Australian I I mean, for me, one of the things I I didn't think I would ever or needed while I was a student here was a credit card. Um, so I didn't get one. Uh, man, I had to put down a $500 deposit to get my phone, which I found out quite outlandish. Um, I, I spent a year here, then I went away and I came back to the US as a student again. Um, didn't get a credit card for another few years. And then finally, people are like, you have to get a credit card to build credit history. I was like, but I don't need to borrow money. Surely if I'm like, it's a better thing to have not borrowed money than to have to have borrowed money to be able to borrow money in the future. And so, you know, fast forward, I I eventually got a card. Then I got the wrong one. I got a a charge card or something instead of a, uh, the right credit card or I got, then I got a, a secured card and then I had to spend money on it. It was confusing whether I had to actually run into debt and pay interest or not to build credit. Um, all of these decisions for me uh, were just very unintuitive and didn't seem to make sense. Um, and then many years later, even though I have, you know, been very responsible with my money, I've never had a, a late fee or an overdraft on my account, never missed a payment. When I went to get a car, I almost wasn't able to get one because I couldn't was struggling to get a loan because of credit history. Then when I went to get my mortgage, my credit score was just high enough that I got an extra discount, but had it been two points lower, I would have been penalized for the next 30 years of my life, all because 
I didn't get a credit card when I didn't need one. And I was told I had to use these instruments to borrow money to prove responsibility, even though there are so many other ways to prove that I'm like responsible with my money. And so to me, those were just some examples. But then, you know, I thought if I had a savings account, people would pay me interest here. They don't uh, unless you like really go out and seek a better account. There were various hidden fees. There was it costs to transfer money. You still write checks in this country. In Australia, we don't write checks. They're just all of these things that to me were just unintuitive and in many ways penalized people that were financially responsible or encourage you to do irresponsible things when you didn't need to, like borrow money. And even today, I keep my credit cards open and often pay an annual fee because if I cancel my oldest credit line, that'll penalize me. It just seems crazy to me. Yeah, you. I mean, you make such good points. And I think it's really hard, you know, for someone who's grown up in the US, you know, this is kind of what we've known, you know, all of those uh, interesting details that you talk about. I would imagine based off of uh, the conversation that they do things very differently in Australia. Is that correct? Yeah. And, um, you know, typically, you know, a, a great example was my, you know, my sister has a small business. She has one like banking relationship. She can, you know, this concept of, if, if she needs to borrow some extra money for to invest in the business, she can very simply take it out against her, her home loan. There's one, you know, there's one line of credit. It's secured by her house. So she doesn't then have to go get this personal loan or go through the complexity of a HELOC or these other things. It's and, and the other crazy thing for me is I actually had an American Express credit card in Australia, which I was able to get uh, just because I was responsible as a as a as a, as a young, I was actually, I think, a student when I got it. And I didn't have any credit history, but I was still able to get it. I never ran up debt on it. I just used it to get rewards. And then also when I came to this country, I, I said to, well, maybe American Express will give me a credit card because I have an American Express credit card in Australia and now I'm in America. And they said no. Um, so it's just, it was mind boggling to me. Yeah, that sounds extremely frustrating. I mean, what do you what do you think it is about the US that makes some of these things so incredibly difficult for people? You know, you have to get credit to have credit and, you know, all of these kind of seemingly like backwards concepts. Uh it's I think a big part of it is history and then the other part of it is a little bit of a herd mentality. And so, you know, historically there weren't great ways to necessarily underwrite people. And so then they came up with this concept of the credit bureaus um, as a way to collect information and have banks report information. But then that became a crutch for banks and for lending. They only wanted to lend. The easy thing to do was just to simply look at the credit bureau. And if you didn't have something there, then they didn't want to do the work to actually understand who you were in your current sort of financial situation. And for me and, and, you know, the business I've started in power, the the crazy thing is we now live in the digital age. I mean, we can build self-driving cars. I mean, it's so straightforward to build a product that is able to look at people's transaction history and banking history and decide whether they're responsible, for example, without requiring, you know, people to have had three different credit cards or three different loans for at least three years and not close their, you know, longest running credit cards, et cetera, just to determine if, you know, you can lend money to that person or if they're financially responsible. Yeah, that's a great point. Do you think with 
the way financial technology is growing in the U.S., do you think that that will ever change like some of these old standards? I think it will. I think where you – so I think where it will take the longest to change is with home loans because 90% of home loans in America are acquired by the government at the end of the day by uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and other agencies if you're, for example, from a military uh, family – um, and they have, you know, pretty strict like boxes to tick and it'll take a long time till that changes. But you already are seeing very interesting changes with a lot of the new breed of financial technology companies that are really being built as technology first to, to serve consumers. And they're willing to lend um, based off, you know, you know, do you have a, a good job or one of the things we're focused on, we're going to be doing some starting some lending in the second half of this year. It's like, Hey, we actually like the fact that people have, you know, 1099 contractor income, the fact that you have a side hustle, the fact that you know how to sell yourself and get work. We actually view as like a big positive tick rather than historically, you know, you got penalized if you didn't have salaried income and two years of salary, because that was seen as like, Hey, you don't have a stable job. Well, like 50% of millennials have a side hustle. Absolutely. Times have to change. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, a a large part of this audience, you know, has either a side hustle or they're entrepreneurs, they're, you know, starting something or have, you know, a full fledged business. And, you know, it's, it's been hard because you are penalized in, in so many ways when you're an entrepreneur and yet you're trying to, you know, cultivate, um, growth in this country, you know, and really, I think the entrepreneur, ism is, you know, the backbone of America. So it's, I I think it's great to hear that maybe, hopefully, you know, some of those things might change. Yeah, I I think they will. And, you know, fortunately, um, I think they will change for entrepreneurs and people with a hustle first, because it's startup companies often sell and and work with early adopters. and, And, and that tends to be people who are who are hungry self-starters. Yeah, absolutely. So before we go forward, let's just go back again. Uh, you know, you talked a little bit about some of those credit hurdles. What advice would you give to somebody, you know, if they're listening to this podcast, they don't live in the U.S. and they're, they're coming to the U.S.? Is there anything like a, you know, shortcuts or anything that they should know to help their credit? Uh, yeah, I mean – Unfortunately, the best thing to do is to to go to the bank. You probably will have to get a secured credit card, which, again, is kind of an oxymoron for me. It means you have to give the bank $500, and then they'll give you a credit line of $500. So they're not taking any risks. I'm not sure why they consider it a credit card. But uh, you have to do that. Then that allows you to start building your credit history. You don't actually have to pay interest on it. You can pay it off every month. They're just looking to see that if you run up a balance that you 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 pay it off. But you do have to use it. If you don't run up a balance, ironically, again, you don't get as much credit in terms of towards your credit score for it. And then after 6 to 12 months, you should be able to then apply for a normal credit card. Don't Don't close down that old card. You have to – they look at the length of your – oldest trade lines or or credit cards. And then, so the best way, if you want to buy a house in three or four years, you've actually got to go and get ideally three different lines of credit over those initial three years. Again, you don't have to necessarily pay any more interest or what have you than you have to, but you actually have to go and build a history before you can, you know, borrow money at competitive rates. Otherwise you'll be 
heavily penalized. That is so good to know. So what do you think, in your viewpoint, what do you think are some of the biggest issues that millennials really face in terms of just building their financial future, you know, getting ahead? What are what are some of those issues? So I think one of the fundamental issues is a lot of people um, have seen the like the negative impacts of the pushing of credit and credit cards and uh, financial instruments onto the our parents' generation and how in many ways that controlled important life decisions. And I think a lot of people want to make a difference and, and, and be different and sort of break out from underneath those shackles. But often they're not educated in how to do it or they don't know where to start. And so I think part of it is giving people the tools or some information just to be able to make the right or healthy decisions. And so, you know, a lot of people because of complexity um, and because we're sort of disassociated from our spending, uh, they don't know some simple things like, hey, are you spending more than you're earning on average? If so, how much are you saving 2% of your income or 10% of your income? Um, okay, great. Now you're saving, you know, that's the first step is, okay, we need to be setting aside some amount of money to, to invest in your future. And then you go, okay, great. So I'm setting aside five, 10, whatever the percentage is, you know, what should I do with it next? If you have credit card debt, if you have student loans, you know, what portion should you be paying down there? Should I put some into a savings account and save, you know, one, two or three months for a, for the rainy day fund, if something goes wrong, um, should I be putting it into a robo advisor? Should I be putting it into Robinhood? Should I be putting it into crypto? And so, like, there are lots of those decisions to make along the way. Um, the first step is is like awareness um, and just saying, okay, what is what is my situation? Am I set up in terms of my spending and my earning? Am I saving some portion each? each week, each month, then the question is, what should I go and do with it? And that's such a great point, because I think that we often overlook the awareness piece. You know, we feel like, well, that's so basic. You know, what about some like super sexy or super exciting, uh, you know, financial ideas or strategies? But what I've found with working with people for 12 years is that the, 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 you know, the true building of wealth really starts with that awareness and those foundational elements, which are so key. Part of it is habit building. Um, and, you know, like like many things, if it's never too late to start, but the earlier you start, the better. And it doesn't have to be much, but if you're in the habit of saving 2% or 4% or 10%, and you build a little bit of that discipline, it doesn't feel difficult anymore after a period of time. And then you're, um, then you're able to, you know, make the choices or save a little bit more. Or if you get a, a you know, a pay rise or an increase, um, you're able to be a little bit more disciplined and perhaps put more away. And, um, you know, there's this wonderful thing in, in a capitalist society called compounding. And it's very hard for a human brain to, um, to really appreciate or visualize compounding over 20, 30, 40 years where, you know, you're not just earning, you know, if you've got $10, you're not earning like, you know, five cents on it every year, but it's, you know, five cents the next year. And then that compounds into something else and something more, even more the next year. And before you know it, you know, you've doubled your money in seven years and, you know, 
20 years out, you may have gone three, four, five times your money, depending on, you know, the kinds of returns that you're earning. And so, I mean, that's, that's free money at the end of the day. Uh, yeah, free money is very good. <laughs> so you're obviously, you know, very passionate about financial literacy. And, uh, you know, I'd love to talk a little bit about what inspired you to start Empower Finance? Yeah, so, you know, part of it is my own experience where I feel that I'm very fortunate. And, you know, I was um, I'm taught about, a lot about money very early on, um, something I think about actually with my kids, how I want to teach that. But it was something I think my parents did very well, um, encouraged me to, you know, start mowing lawns and earning income for neighbors and what have you when I was like 11 or 12 and think about what to do with that money. Despite being in that situation, you know, I felt I got taken advantage of by the system. And, you know, um, I mean, I was in a very fortunate situation. I saw many people around me, friends, family. My, my, my parents were heavily impacted by the global financial crisis in 2008 because they, were, they had a financial advisor, but they were getting shocking advice. Um, and then, yeah, between sister-in-law, mother-in-law, friends continuing to ask questions and also just getting out and talking to so many people who are being impacted realize that look it you know money and financial decisions is a top three issue for the vast majority of people it impacts how we live the decisions we can make now and in the future and the and then you know i on the other side of the fence had been an investor in silicon valley in the most cutting-edge companies and you know i've I've been in self-driving cars. I've been invested in the like most crazy sort of artificial intelligence technology that's doing amazing stuff in healthcare and robotics and 3D printing and you know all of these crazy things. And then I'm looking at like this problem in finance. I'm like, come on, how come you know we can't take this technology, apply it to individual financial situations, and build an app that you know can coach people and assist people in making the right financial decisions. And because it's software, is that something we can even give away for free? There's so many different, you know, I I get this question a lot from podcast listeners. There's almost too much information now they feel, you know, there's a lot of apps, there's a lot of different things to choose from. And I think a lot of listeners are honestly a bit confused, you know, like which app do I choose for this? Or, you know, how do you... How how would you walk someone through, you know, finding an app or a tool that would be beneficial to them? You know, did you think about that when you were creating Empower? Yeah, I mean, um, again, quite frankly, it's sort of um, I was a big user of Mint for managing what I consider my money, although always frustrated, which is another reason I was always on the lookout. <laughs> You and me both. And then on the other side, I, you know, I had invested in and helped build a robo advisor called Future Advisor, so automated investment management and advice, and um, had seen the power of, of that product. And then was looking at, you know, there were um, there were great what I would sort of consider sort of like individual tools coming out, like Digit is a and Capital are these great apps that are just focused on helping people save money. And then there are apps like Acorns that are kind of doing something similar. Um, another really nice app I, I like out there called Truebill, which is helping people negotiate their bills. But from my point of view, it's like, wow, I don't want to have 10 different apps on my phone all doing like one individual thing. I want to have sort of an app that is just I can open it up and it'll tell me whether I need to 
like help me pay down my debt or whether it'll tell me if I'm overpaying for a bill or if I'm overpaying for my insurance. I can message it if I have a question about anything. And so for me, it was actually some of this clutter was part of the 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 pain that we wanted to solve. Um, a little bit like I suppose if you're in the airline, you know, you want to buy tickets to go visit your rel- relatives. And rather than having to go to every single website and work out what the best price is, you go to kayak or something and there's one place, you know, we wanted one place for you to go to make financial decisions. And how are you uh, incorporating now sort of this evolution of crypto? Is that going to be a part of the platform as well? You know, it, it's um, it's a very interesting uh, topic. I'm so as a as a sort of technology enthusiast and, and investor in early stage companies personally, it's something I believe has amazing potential um, and and have have personally made a number of investments. Um, on the other hand, you know, I would just say that it's it is the wild west, and so <laughs> the, the way we've been thinking about it is how do we educate people? So how do we sort of bring sort of responsibility to crypto in a in, a, in an irresponsible sort of field at times. And so I think I would hate for people to potentially miss out on one of the largest wealth creation events of potentially the decade or the century as some of these things change how we think about money. On the other hand, you know, it's critical to make informed decisions because, as I said, 95% of the stuff from my point of view is going to be a zero. And so, um, so we are incorporating crypto actually in um, you know, we, we already have Coinbase and Robinhood integrated into our app. Um, and over the next week or two, actually, we're going to be launching a bunch of sort of educational informational content on like the top 100 coins and what have you that you can invest in in crypto. And we're also integrating with the top, um, half dozen exchanges so that you can, um, understand uh, and, and see all your crypto in one place. You can see it beside your investments and your cash so that you can make decisions about, Hey, am I, you know, I personally think people should only have a very, very small percentage of their overall net worth invested in crypto because it is so risky. So you get exposure to it, but you're not overexposed. Um, but so that you can see all of that in one place and you can make informed decisions. Yeah. And, and talking about, you know, seeing things so you can make informed decisions, you know, as we're, as we're listening to this podcast, help us see a little bit, you know, if we, if we used in power, what are some of those financial decisions or awareness that we would have, you know, within the app? Certainly. So, you know, the first thing we do when, when people on board is we basically do the, uh, the app does this for, for you. It doesn't audit of, Sort of, there's about half a dozen things that um, people do. We, the, when we looked at our users that they were doing, that were co- costing them hundreds to sometimes over a thousand bucks a year, and that was things like are they overpaying for certain bills that they could negotiate down? Similarly, on insurance, do you have your money, your idle cash allocated properly into, for example, high interest savings accounts? We look at your credit. So, for example, are you doing anything that's negatively impacting your credit score? And we'll let you know about that. Um, and then there's some stuff around debt consolidation as well, if that if that's right for you. And so the app sort of, you connect your accounts from your banks, your credit cards, your crypto, your investments. In the background, it analyzes everything out the gate, finds any immediate savings. On average, it's around three or $400 a year that we, we're able to find in savings. 
And then it sits in the background and you can open up the app and get at any time, get a quick glance of your position. Are you spending more than you're earning? Where's your money going? What are your investments, et cetera? And then the other piece that's really critical is anytime there's something that you do where we think there's a way for you to save or that might be impacting your credit score, we push you a notification, we'll tell you what you can do to um, improve the situation, and then in two or three taps, you can take action. And then um, and if you have any questions, you can always message some, one of us within the app um, and ask any questions you want about money. That's great. I mean, that sounds like sounds like really you could downsize a lot in, into one app and be able to see everything in one place, which I think is something that's, you know, really powerful and important um, for people to be able to, you know, compile it all together. So I'd love one last question. Um, I'd love to know, you know, you've had a very interesting financial journey yourself. If you had to leave the listeners with, you know, one piece of kind of your best money advice that you've learned, what would that be? <laughs> so um, I, uh, one of my, I joked that one of my aberrations was I went to business school. Um, it was a way to come to the U.S. and, 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 and get a visa without uh, having a job. Um, and uh, one of the most famous professors gave us this advice at the end where he said, um, be very careful about increasing your personal spend as you become uh, more successful or as you earn more money. And the simple reason was once you increase your spend level, it's very, very difficult to go backwards. And so you take a lot of flexibility out of your life. It could be flexibility to take six months off and travel the world. It could be flexibility to start your own business. It could be, you know, uh, flexibility to change job when you need to. And I, I think for me, that's sort of one thing that always sticks in my head that is just sort of, um, you know, we all, you know, there's a lots of great lessons about how to like negotiate for higher compensation and what have you. Unfortunately, a lot of the time when that happens, we always reach on the spending side as well. And if we can create that that little bit of buffer, it creates so much flexibility. It allows us to make clearer and unburdened decisions and often invest more in ourselves from like a personal capital point of view, which pays huge dividends in the future. And so for me, it's just that about resisting that temptation to increase my personal spend um, when I get the chance. That is an awesome piece of advice. So Warren, uh, tell the listeners where they can go to find out more about Empower. Yeah, so uh, you can go to the App Store or the Play Store, and if you search Empower or Empower Finance, you will find the app. Uh, check us out uh, on the web at empower.me. And we're just launching, uh, as I said, a whole bunch of new crypto information sources. So if you're interested in crypto, you can certainly come and check out that. Um, and and or you can on Twitter, you can message me. Uh, love any feedback at Warren Hogarth. That is a great piece of financial advice. And I totally, totally echo that. The lifestyle creep is most certainly a real thing. I've had it happen to me, unfortunately, and I've had to uncreep. Uh, but it really is a thing. I mean, you just start making more money and you start spending more money. And then before you know it, you're like, wait a minute, I'm still living paycheck to paycheck and I'm making a ton of money. 
So thanks so much for tuning into this episode. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Shauna Game. If you love this podcast, do me a favor, share it with your friends, shout it out on social media. And if you have an Ask Shauna question yourself, you can head on over to the link in the show notes and submit the question. Mm-hmm.